My guest this week is Victoria Taylor, a customer experience expert. We chat about her fascinating ideas about using theme park thinking to create engaging customer experiences. Is this the future of retail and marketing? Welcome to episode 253 of the Marketing and Finance Podcast. This is the podcast for ideas and inspiration on marketing your business and growing your business and for discussing topics on all things finance. I'm Roger Edwards, a marketing guy and keynote speaker from Edinburgh. Talk to me if you want to cut the BS and the complexity from your marketing strategy. Hello and welcome to the Marketing and Finance Podcast. Thank you, as always, for downloading or streaming the show. I really do appreciate you taking the time to plugging me and my guests into your earphones. I'm really excited about this particular episode. I've been a bit of a theme park geek all my life. I was born in Blackpool, spent a lot of my childhood and teenage years on Blackpool Pleasure Beach. My sister lives in Los Angeles, so I spent a lot of time visiting Disney and Magic Mountain. And when I read Victoria Taylor's theme park thinking article, I was delighted to see theme parks linked magically to marketing. And I knew it would be a fascinating discussion to have with Victoria. So that's why I've invited her onto the show. So let's get straight into that interview with Victoria right here on the Marketing and Finance Podcast. Vicky Taylor, welcome to the Marketing and Finance Podcast. Hi, Roger. Thank you for having me. It's an absolute pleasure. Vicky, tell me, where are we Zooming each other from today? Now, of course, I'm here in Edinburgh as always. I would like to say I'm on a sunny beach somewhere, but I'm not. I'm in Nottingham today. So, yeah, we are speaking in Nottingham. (laughs) I've never been to Nottingham. Can you believe it? I've flown into East Midlands Airport many times, even went to the centre parks near Sherwood Forest with uh, my son when he was quite young, but never actually been to the city of Nottingham itself. So it's definitely a city that I need to visit at some point. Yes, you'll have to put that on the list and let me know if you're coming over because I'll, I'll make sure you know some great places to go. <laughs> now, Vicky, you've recently written a fascinating article, uh, Possibility Not Practicality, Theme Park Thinking and the Future of Retail. Now, we've known each other sort of on social media for quite a long time. And uh, unfortunately, we've never actually met in person. So we're, we're sort of writing that wrong as we speak doing this podcast. But My eyes were drawn immediately to this article. For the first reason, it was the theme park thinking that I focused on. I grew up in Blackpool and my elder sister lives in Los Angeles. So I've been exposed to theme parks for most of my life. Blackpool Pleasure Beach in Blackpool, obviously, and the original Disneyland in LA and Six Flags Magic Mountain out there. So Anything with the word theme park in it always grabs my attention. And of course, you've written an article about that and the application to marketing. So I really wanted to have a a deep dive into that article with you today. But before we get to that, Vicky, give me a little bit of background about yourself, where you came from, how your career developed, and basically what makes Vicky Taylor tick? (laughs) Okay, so um, I am now eight years in my own consultancy, which seems like a a long, long time ago, actually, since that started. Um, And it is certainly sort of taken more of a customer experience focus over the last five to six years really and with digital woven through that but my background is 
Um, I've worked I've worked in sales and marketing all my life, really, in my different mm-hmm. roles, um, through different kinds of media as well. So um, I've worked in newspapers, radio stations. I worked um, I worked for Yellow Pages at one point and um, helped them to develop a graduate team there, like a web channel. So I've kind of gone through, I guess, different media areas and also travel travel as well so I, I did some time in the cooperative travel and I'm, I kind of over the last few years sort of married the two together a little bit really um although I, I don't specifically focus on hospitality that is one of my key areas mm-hmm. um so yeah the, the two have kind of come together and when you say what makes me tick I think everything that I've done you know throughout my career has been driven by a teacher of mine actually and she was she was amazing so she was a lady called Miss Evans and she was a teacher that was different to everybody else you know in school all the teachers were kind of like you know Victoria why can't you just be the same as everyone else <laughs> you, you know what they're like why can't you just do the same and why can't you you know not do the extravagant thing but she was the one that kind of really saw me for who I was and she was you know she was a music teacher and she'd spend countless hours on the piano with me sort of helping me develop my you know my piano skills right and I, I really noticed that like, how she made me feel as a person and she made me feel like I mattered and it was really sad actually we were in a Christmas concert one year and she collapsed at the piano and um she had a brain hemorrhage and subsequently she she passed away and i you know i tell people now that even all these decades later the way she made me feel if miss evans had a business today i would be buying from her Mm. three decades Mm. down the line because of how she made me feel she made me feel like i mattered if any of those other teachers had a business they could go and whistle and run away you know (laughs) um so i guess it's kind of that that making people matter is is crucial and that's what I talk with my clients about to help them make their clients matter and that's really what forms the core of everything I do. That's really interesting I mean there is so much mediocrity out there and and so many brands just seem to want to be the same as everybody else and you know I I see this and again I suppose there's a travel link here quite a lot of airlines are effectively apart from the colour of the tailplane on the aeroplane, they're all exactly the same. You know, tight seats, buy on board, pay for your bags, cheap cheap fares, cheap fares, cheap fares, until you add all the extras on, I guess, of course. And, and nobody really stands out. And why would you go into business to be the same as everybody else? It's something that uh, baffles me. And, and again, interestingly, that you were talking about Miss Evans there, I, I can trace my desire to stand out in the marketing field and also to tell stories going back to my original English teacher. He was called Stephen Plows, Mr. Plows, and, and he just loved to love to tell stories in fact some of the some of the english lessons we had with him was basically him walking around the class with a book in his hand reading the book to us and he was so entertaining because he he, he did the theatrics and he did the, the different voices and and these people do have a profound effect on what shapes you as an individual was there a moment then when when you realized that the the hospitality and the travel was the, the the industries that you actually wanted to focus on. Do you know what? I think it just happened naturally. Really, mm. I mean, I I used to design experiences within that within that sector. You know, when I worked with the cooperative, I ended up sort of consulting. I wasn't doing your typical package holidays. You know, I was putting together bespoke tailor made packages. Mm-hmm. Um, I also had an uncle who had his own agency and um, his own travel agency. So I was really sort of caught up in creating bespoke experiences at that point on the travel side and I think I always remember a couple Mr and Mrs Formstone they were 
unbelievable people. And I remember sending them on this world cruise. And when they came back from this world cruise, they brought me a present from every single port that they'd been to, which was so gorgeous because we'd spent hours together. And, you know, you realize that you're designing something so exceptionally special for people. And I think it just became sort of a natural course, really, because the, you know, the, the hospitality industry is such a, a, a profound and incredible industry because it is so it is so unique and it mm. is so cr- creative and it, it's an industry that, that it makes people happy right mm. I mean you can't mm. you can't not be happy when you're you're you know doing the wonderful things in life that make you smile you know so mm. um yeah it's, it was just like a natural pull like I say I'm not limited to that industry specifically but it's just the sort of the, that's the natural way it's taken me um over the last couple of years in particular what, what what services are you offering to these industries, Vicky, then? Is it the full marketing mix that you focus in? Is it brand or is it experience, as you've already said? Yeah, I think everything everything starts with an experiential approach. Um, mm. And naturally, experience splits into physical and digital. So naturally, the digital side does come in. Um, but it really is taking um, an organisation. It could be end-to-end experience. It could be their digital experience. It might be physical experience design. A lot of people use me as their trusted advisor. So, you know, you go from a hands-on approach with strategy and getting involved in the design to being the person that is on the other end when they pick up the phone to say, right, what do we need to do with X, Y, and Z? So I take I take a different approach with every client that I work with, be that hands-on or hands-off, but it is very experience-centered. Um, and naturally, brand comes into that, marketing comes into that. Yeah, it all, it all comes into the mix, doesn't it? But I think, you know, I think very often we, I, I mean, I know the value of marketing. I know the value of brand. Um, they're, they're key. They're critical. But they are a part of a holistic and a much bigger picture. And I think everything does have to begin, you know, with experience, no matter who we are as people, no matter what business we have, we are all stages of experience. And if Mm. we don't stage the right experience, it doesn't really matter what we do with the rest of it. Because if we're not creating a good experience, then the rest of it almost goes to pot, really. You know, so it has to start with experience. Yeah. Mm. And and so many industries talk about giving customers a good experience. But, But let's face it, if you're an insurance company, then experience is, is probably way down the list of things that customers are actually that bothered about. They're probably more interested in whether it's going to pay out or, or something like that. But with hospitality and hotels yeah. and holidays, experience is absolutely at the top of the, of, of the list of things, isn't it? You just have to give the best experience there possibly is, whether it's a, you know, a, a cheap holiday at one end of the spectrum all the way to the other, you know, high-end luxury. The experience is the thing that runs through the whole thing. A hundred percent. I mean, like you say, experience should seamlessly weave through everything, Mm. you know, and that's not just the service that somebody has you know, that's, that's your staff's experience as well. You know, I've just, I've just written a blog actually that's coming out at the weekend to my list. And and that talks about the, the experience that your staff, your employees have with you. Mm-hmm. You know, if they're not having a good experience, then they're not going to create a good experience for your customers. So, you know, it's making sure that experience isn't just in the service you provide to your customers, but that it's woven through every part of the fabric of your business. So that's mm-hmm. your processes, that's your interactions, that's your, um, that's the way you treat your suppliers, the mm-hmm. way you treat your employees. You know, experience mm-hmm. isn't down to the experience department. It, it should be woven through your entire culture. And th- this is an interesting little story from from my past. I was involved in a in a startup company, and, and again, it was it was in the uh, financial services sector. But right at the start, they sent me across to America on something which was called the Top Dog Tour, and it was it was basically arranged by a creative consultancy, and they took you to visit some real 
top-notch American brands in all sorts of sectors. But the one that stood out for me was the Ritz-Carlton hotel chain. Um, Now, for people who don't know, the Ritz-Carlton is probably one of the most expensive hotel brands in the world. And they have this beautiful, or they did have this beautiful strap line for their people. And it was something like, we are ladies and gentlemen serving ladies and gentlemen. And I always loved that because it was saying the customer is important, but you as an employee are equally important, hence hence that strap line. And every day in every Ritz-Carlton Hotel, wherever it is in the world, they all have this meeting, which is called a lineup, and they they have a, a, a card, which is called the driver card, which has about 20 or 23 values that, that absolutely permeated through the entire business. And I was absolutely blown away by how the culture had developed in Ritz-Carlton and how they were so focused on the customer and giving the customer that amazing experience that we actually built a similar thing into the company, which was called Bright Grey. We had our daily equivalent of the um, the lineup. It was called a jump start, And we had a series of, of values and it worked so well because it was, everybody was involved in it, you know, and creating that experience was just so key. And I'll never forget that trip to America. There were so many examples like that that I could talk about, but I, I, I quite like that one because it was linked to the hospitality industry. A hundred percent. You know, Disney do similar. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, uh, you know, when we were back in the co-op, we would, we would do similar. It's, uh, you often find as well, actually, um, car dealerships, they will often do that morning mm. motivation um, session. And, you know, I, you know, on social media now we say, oh, Monday motivation or um, don't we, you know, it's a hashtag yeah. that's very frequently used, but it, it does start the day in the right way. I think if you can get your team members, particularly now as well, and I, you know, I won't go too much into it because I'm going to cover it off on, on you know my newsletter at the weekend however mm. your employees experience currently um is going to be different and they're going through change and transition just like you are and you know they they are the people that are keeping your business running mm-hmm. um keeping your business running well it's really important that even if they don't tell you that you acknowledge that they are going to be going through some transformation themselves right now because they're coming back to entirely different workplaces that that, that aren't familiar to them you know mm-hmm. there's all different rules and regulations safety etc cetera, etc cetera. Um, and it's really important to provide a space like you say with that morning session or however they do that whether it's weekly daily however it works that there is a space where you can one motivate them but two and probably more importantly listen to them Mm. because everybody needs to feel listened to and I think you know even if even if you don't do anything drastic if somebody feels listened to communication is so important that that's half of the problem you know Mm. is is actually listening to somebody so I think you're absolutely right for that providing that space where there's a two-way dialogue where you can motivate your staff um, and make them feel the best they can about your company and also listen to them acknowledging what's happening now because we're in a very different world aren't we definitely definitely Mm. and and there's a difference of course between listening to somebody and actually hearing what they're saying and again I think it's good that you've got that vehicle to actually genuinely act upon 
what you're hearing your own people say as well as what you're hearing your customers say. So, so Vicky, um, let's talk about theme park thinking. As I say, okay. it, it drew my attention immediately. I mean, I, li- I like I like all the stuff you write anyway, but the, it was just the heading theme park thinking and my past and Blackpool Pleasure Beach and all that. I had to dive in and read it. It's a great article, but it's your article. So tell tell just give me a little bit of background about the article and, and, and what the key messages are. Okay, thank thank you, by the way. I really appreciate it. It's always lovely to hear when somebody, you know, resonates and it interests someone. So thank you. So theme theme park thinking really does come from actually something that's called possibility thinking. Right. So possibility thinking kind of sits, um, you know, any industry at the top and then we can, you know, branch off into different areas of thinking. But theme park thinking is you've talked about Disney, right? So mm. you've talked about the Disney theme park. You will know that when you go into Disney, imagination is everywhere right yeah. the, the there is limitless possibility when you walk through one of those theme parks they are designed exceptionally and i'm using disney because you know disney is the the ultimate in theme parks to me you know the absolute ultimate and they design everything you know everything is thought about everything is considered when you go on a you know a, a coach in the morning that takes you into the theme parks they're playing different noises into the bus than mm. they are when you leave at the end of the day you know and at the end of the day you leave a theme park they're playing cricket noises and the lights are dimmed to yes. signal the end of the day um and you know i was sat there and i thought for my entire two weeks that i was there i didn't hear a single single child cry on those buses now bear in mind that <laughs> that's something that's something special you know because 14 days coaches with hundreds of children on it's no coincidence that I didn't hear a child cry um you know and you think yes okay they've had a wonderful experience in Disney but children get tired um and you know they've, they've walked miles and miles around these theme parks at the end of the day I don't know what the effect was but it was a calming one you know and and, and that's an experience that they create it's the end of the day we're taking you into a, a chilled mode it feels magical we're playing music we're playing cricket noises we're dimming the lights um you know even as you walk through the different worlds in Disney you've got different designed bins and mm. um, to reflect the worlds that you and you've got bins that blow out bubbles if you happen to look lost you don't even need to think like before you've even thought a member of staff is over and they're giving you maps and providing you with answers yes. to things you didn't e- to things you didn't even know you wanted to ask um so it's that kind of really proactive thinking even the design of the queues you know they design their queues so exceptionally well that you are not only queuing for a ride but you're being entertained by mm. characters and you've got things to interact with and they place their um, water machines to keep their guests cool at certain points when they know that they're potentially going to overheat on a hot day the food kiosks are placed at the very moments around the parks where they know people are most likely to get hungry Mm. and they're even designed so they know well where are people most likely to want a sweet snack or a savory snack and lo and behold Disney placed a place a stand there that is reflective of where they think and where they have thought people are going to need that particular snack um so they're very very um specific and those i'm just scratching the surface there you know they're very very specific with how they do things they dream beyond dreaming and they they take experience and they just make it magical and i'm going to say from the moment you step through the the gates but it's not even from the moment you step through the gates you know if anybody's had a disney holiday you'll know that when the pack arrives in the post at your home that you are made to feel magical from that moment 
it's just a whole line of thinking that we don't often see in other industries. Mm. You know, theme parks provide something exceptionally special um, when when they're thinking about their design. And currently, you know, why I related it to retail was because we are, you know, we're seeing a massive change in retail at the moment. We're seeing a lot of people favoring online shopping, um, naturally, for physical retail. Um, there's some big changes that have taken place in the, you know, the retail landscape. You can't really try on clothing anymore um, in, in the majority of shops because they then have to quarantine the clothing for 72 hours um so that you know that facility is gone which means it's more inconvenient for people to go into city centers to have that physical experience you know you could get a load of clothes get them home they don't fit and you need to make another trip back into the city center or or wherever you're going that costs money for petrol money for parking you're putting yourself at more risk in a city center being around larger crowds so there has to be something really exceptional to take people out from behind the comfort of their laptops to go and shop in city centers or wherever Mm. you're going to shop. There has to be something that goes, do you know what? I'm going to leave the comfort of my own home. I love the physical experience, Roger. I absolutely love the physical experience. But it's a real challenge at the moment to think, do do I want to go and battle all that to know that something might not fit me anyway? If it's not going to deliver me something that's really exceptional and different to what I'm having behind my laptop at home anyway. Mm. So I think the theme part of thinking around that was, you know, what can shops do that you can't get at home? You know, can they, as you're in a queuing system, can they put vending machines there? This is a much smaller scale than theme parks. But, you know, how often do you see um, shops that have vending machines in their queues or... Mm. Do they tell you how far you've got to queue from a certain point? Because, you know, people now are thinking, right, that particularly if they're booking, if someone's going into a a city centre for an afternoon out, it's more than likely that they've probably booked their restaurant because we're having to book things in advance, aren't we? We're having to make reservations. So if you're in a queue in a shop and it's a large queue and you don't know how long you're going to be queuing and you've got a reservation at a restaurant or a nail bar, wherever you're going and you don't know how long it's going to take to queue, the likelihood is is that you might abandon your basket. However, if you have markers in the queue saying, right, 10 minutes queuing from this point or half an hour from this point, at least you know how long you're going to be before you have to pay for your goods. Or if you've got a screaming child, you know how long you're going to be in the queue with screaming child before you get to the queue. Or is there something that they can do in the queue design? You know, is there like a, I don't know, I think I said in the um, blog that sort of like a where's Wally kind of thing, a changeable experience where children can actually be on the hunt for characters or whatever Mm -hmm. it is within the shop whilst they're in that queue. So it makes it an experience. It's something that wants to, you know, get them out from behind their laptops and, and deliver those experiences. So, um, yeah, that, that's it in a nutshell, really. It's, it's quite funny because um, I'll, I'm going to admit it now. I watch quite a lot of theme park vlogs on YouTube. Okay. And cool. <laughs> I, I, I actually use these vlogs sometimes. But, you know, marketing experts, and I use the word expert with inverted commas, um, <laughs> often say, if you're going to do video, you must the video must only be two or three minutes because people's attention spans are so short these days that you'll lose them after 30 seconds blah 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 but yeah. vicky there are there are theme park videos i watch which are like an hour and a half long sometimes two hours yeah. And, yeah. and they're just a bloke wandering around a theme park for 90 minutes to two hours pointing out rides going on rides pointing out yeah. shops going in shops and people watch this stuff and and the reason they watch it is because they like it and it's because it's good content so i always use that as an example of you know if you're losing people after 2 or 3 minutes probably because your content's rubbish not because that's a universal rule but it was just yesterday i was watching it it was an american lady um, doing a vlog about alton towers and she was talking about the wicker man roller coaster right. and she she was studying 
in the queue and there was music playing and, and of course this ride's themed to the Wicker Man, the, the horror film, and there's all this wood and obviously you go on the ride and then you get you go come out through the shop and you, you most people probably buy a Wicker Man t shirt, a Wicker Man mug or something like that. And this 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 lady was absolutely raving about this experience. And, and she admitted the ride was li- li- probably over with within about a minute and a half. And she queued up for nearly two and a half hours to go on it. But she was so happy. Now, during during lockdown, I had to go to Asda to pick up a parcel that had been developed. And I turned into the car park and saw people queuing about a mile around the outside of the car park. And I said, oh, bollocks to that. I'm not standing yeah. in that queue. <laughs> yeah. I just turned the car around and went home. And yet here's a person who is absolutely ecstatic that she spent two and a half hours in a queue to go on a ride that lasts 90 minutes, 90 seconds. And that's because the whole experience was just perfectly crafted. And, and, and and I think this is so powerful what you've, what you've tapped into here, this whole theme park thinking thing. And, and it, and it it really can apply to all industries, can't it? You know, I'm sitting here thinking now my financial services clients, how can you, how can you, put this thinking into that sort of environment you know what could you do with your queuing system or you know on the phone you ring up and they say our your call is very important but we are experiencing abnormally high you know and you think oh yeah 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 of course you are that means you haven't got enough staff or something like it it, it, there's so many applications to this i think it's absolutely fascinating yeah, I think I think there are, and this is kind of where so does kind of filter into really whenever whenever I work with a client, I, I start with something called a point of entry strategy, mm. without going into the details of it, um, in you know in massive detail. But we look at every entry point that somebody has into a business. You will be so surprised how many there are. Some people mm. have got hundreds, um, and, and an entry point can actually be a conversation. Yeah. So, for example, Roger, it could be let's take a financial person. You know, I have an accountant. Okay, so let's take my accountant. And she has an experience with me. She could actually be a point of referral for my business. Yeah. yeah? So her experience with me needs to be pretty shit hot <laughs> or she's, she's not likely to refer people to me. If you were to sit and write down all of your entry points, you know, you, you would be so surprised at how many places people have a chance to make an impression of you. Mm. Um, and that's exactly right. You know, it's tying up all the processes and the systems and having a strategy at each entry point. Um, it's really, really intense and in-depth work. Um, and this, you know, this theme part thinking is, is applied to multiple industries. It's not just retail you know it's echoed through every organization every part of every organization you know even sort of designing the first day at work experience for Mm. new employees I read a book a couple of years ago and it made such a profound impact on me and I think um, it was about you know why certain experiences had an extraordinary impact Um, and it, it, it was fascinating to read through that book and it really did it sort of I think it set my passion alight even more because you you know you can't just go and start talking about marketing marketing kind of fits into the much bigger picture you know we have to all be thinking experience first because I can promise you it opens up so many more marketing opportunities and so many more opportunities for different things when when you start with experience you know so um yeah it's fascinating absolutely fascinating and part of what I teach when I my my big thing is is to, well two things really simplicity because I think yeah. the world is incredibly complicated especially the financial services industry but also that marketing is not just about communication and and, and what yeah. you're saying just backs backs that up you know yeah. I, I always say to people the three questions you've got to answer 
is number one, who's your customer? And yeah. number two, what's the customer's problem or their issue or their need? And the third thing is how do you solve that problem or need better and different than anybody else? Now, most people, when I talk to them about that, those three, those three questions, they will think about the product probably, whether yeah. that's, a, whether that's, a, you know, whether that's a cupcake or whether it's a car mm. or it's a course, they'll think of it as a product. But really, again, if you think about the whole experience, not just the product itself, but the packaging it's in, the shelf it sits on, yeah. the queuing system. And, and again, I think we're coming back to the theme park thinking, it's even opened my eyes because, you know, with, oh. the, best, with, the, best, with the best win in the world, when you're, when you're having these conversations day in, day out, you do start to break your own rules, which you know, you yep. have to, and you have to pick yourself up on those. And I'm as guilty as anybody else of sometimes focusing in too much on the physical product or the actual product itself, rather yeah. than thinking a little bit wider. So, what would you? What would you? What would the tip? The biggest tip that you would be able to give, based upon theme park thinking, to anybody who just wants to make themselves stand out a bit more than everybody else. I mean, you said at the beginning, quite a lot of companies are quite happy to be the same as everybody else or quite happy to be mediocre. What what, what should companies start to do, you know, just to elevate themselves a little bit? I mean, they don't even need to, need to elevate themselves that far to stand out, really. Yeah. So, so I'm going to, like like you said, you like to keep things simple. So I'm going to keep it really simple. They need to allow time to dream. Yeah. And that might sound really, really simple, but it really, it, it is that simple. Um, a lot will come from that and a lot will be formed from that. And, you know, you might decide that you need to get a marketing specialist or a customer experience specialist or whatever it is you're doing. But to to have that time to allow people, you can't, you can't run a system. Um, you can't run a business with systems and processes and then take yourself to theme park thinking by being in the same mindset you have to design for it you know yes. good experiences don't happen by chance you know they happen by design um and that that is allowing yourself to design that time as well to go right we're gonna give our friday mornings whatever it is to allow our staff to go and sit in a field or whatever it is <laughs> we're gonna get them all milkshakes or gin and tonics if it's the end of whatever it is to get them out of the typical routine because nothing unique is going to be born in that typical routine around a boardroom table. You know, you've, you've got to be in a different mindset and a different frame of mind to be able to think differently. Um, so it, it is that simple. Allow people that time to to dream. And, you know, I can't imagine many CEOs sitting there in their boardrooms going, oh, yeah, where do we build in that dreaming time? Because where's the ROI in that? Um, they don't often see that bigger picture, but the ones that do are the ones that do extraordinary because you're not you're not just sitting within the confines of the typical boardroom. Um, so it is, it's building that time in and going, right, okay, we build this in and maybe you do start with your experience team or your innovation team or whoever it is you start with and then you allow that to filter through the company. You know, if you're a, a large organization, you, you might not have the time to be able to dedicate to the, you know, your whole your whole sales teams and your whole marketing teams to be able to go and, you know, possibility theme park think every week, but you will be able to start somewhere. And even if that's starting with the, you know, like I said, the innovation or creative team, experience team, do it with them and then let that filter through to the different levels of the organization um, and, and pull that through. But you've got to allow that time for it and to design that time for it because otherwise it won't happen. And it really has to start at the top, doesn't it? Yeah, <laughs> I'm just, it does. I'm just thinking, yeah. sitting here thinking, unfortunately, there will be certain people within companies and, you know, 
in fairness, it's probably likely to be the more numerate people, the accountants and in financial services, the actuaries, you know, they are yeah. numbers based. And yeah. and that and that's not denigrating them anyway. That's just a fact. And yeah. and unfortunately they're likely to think, oh Roger, oh Vicky, this is far too fluffy. It's yeah. just it's just it's just pathetic, you know, I, I show me the return on investment of, uh, yeah. of um, dream thinking. Yeah, blah, blah. Yeah. But You've got to sit back and, you know, that lady that was raving about a roller coaster that lasts 90 seconds and being prepared to queue for two and a half hours, you know, getting that sort of reaction out of a customer is a massive return on investment. And, oh, I just wish so many more people would build in that time that you've just described to really sit down and dream and think about what possibilities do exist. Now, as we come towards the end of the of the podcast, Vicky, I usually ask a question along the lines of, "What's the one big thing that you uh, that you'd like the listeners of the Marketing and Finance podcast to take away from all the experiences you've had?" You've probably already answered that <laughs> in, in in your last point, but okay. I'll ask it anyway, just in case there's anything you've you've got that you might want to add. Make people matter. Seriously, mm. make people matter. If you know, we we see these predictions everywhere, and I've seen them. You know. You know what it's like every year when people say, oh, what's what's going to be the big thing in marketing or finance or business in 2020? And, you know, that's, that's switched over the last few months to who are the businesses that are going to survive yeah. the pandemic? Who are the businesses that are going to do well? And I've seen it everywhere. You know, it's survival of the most agile, survival of the strongest, survival of the this, that and the other. But none of that accounts for the one thing that is going to keep you in business, and that's your customers. Mm. And that's as simple as it is. Yeah. You know, you have to treat your business as though it won't survive without your customers because it won't. Um, and you're not going to have customers or keep customers or generate customers if you don't make people feel like they matter. Mm. And to, to add on top of that, we've you know we've gone through the most profound collective experience over the last few months where every single one of us has had more time to think and take stock, think about what's important to us, think about the things that we like, think about the things that we don't like, to take joy in the most simple things. And I know that, you know, over the last few months for me, it's been kindness, you know, smiles from people on daily walks and bike Mm. rides. People are more used to an elevated sense of kindness than they ever have been. And those are the people that are coming back to buy from you as a business. So if you're not doing that as a minimum, um, and you're not treating people like they matter, then they're going to go and do business elsewhere. And you're not just going to have a pandemic to contend with, you know, you're going to have no customers. So you need to make people matter uh, more than ever. I think that's absolutely, absolutely spot on. And, and it's the same with me. You know, I have spent 25, nearly 30 years traveling on business and for the last four months, I've not been near an aeroplane or an airport and I've not been on a plane and I've actually quite enjoyed it. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm thinking when this, when this all goes back to normal, you know, airports are going to have to do a hell of a lot to um, up their game to get me back through the door. So, oh, yeah. yeah, you know, make make people matter. Make people Absolutely. matter. Absolutely. Absolutely yeah. spot on. Yeah. Vicky, I could talk to you all afternoon and we, we, we haven't even scratched the surface on this subject. No. And, and, and I'd also like to talk to you about hotels in Dubai and, and skiing down um, sand dunes and stuff like that. But we'll maybe leave, leave that to, to another interview. Um, I'm hoping that people listening to the show might want to get in touch with you. So, where's the best place that people can connect with you um do you know i'm, I'm all over everywhere on Vic, at victoria tail v, victoria t-a-y-l um uk um but yeah connect with me on linkedin um yeah I'm, I'm all over the socials so yeah i'd love to hear from you um i bring out a, a monthly newsletter as well where 
I'm told people get a lot of value from from the newsletters. So um, yeah, if you'd like some customer experience insight in your inbox, then um, I only I only send that out once a month. So I'm not going to spam your inboxes. And then a blog as well once a month. So it's just twice a month that you'll hear from me. Fantastic. I will include the link to your newsletter. Oh, I'll include the link to the Theme Park Thinking article on LinkedIn and thank your you. contact details on LinkedIn in the show notes of the podcast, which you can find at rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash MAF. That's rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash MAF. Vicky, it's been awesome to talk to you this afternoon. Thanks for coming on the show. Let me wish you every success for the future. And when we get rid of this pandemic, I really hope that I can meet with you in real life in Sherwood Forest or somewhere yes. near Nottingham and we'll have, we'll have a proper coffee or a, or a glass yes. of wine together. That sounds wonderful. Thank you so much for having me, Roger. And yeah, we'll definitely do that. Thanks for listening to the Marketing and Finance Podcast. Do please look at the show notes at rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash MAF for links to the apps and topics and books we discussed. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review on iTunes. Simply visit rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash iTunes and leave a review. I'll catch you on the next episode. In the meantime, keep marketing your business to keep growing your business.